previous weeks we've spoken about different things. And last week we spoke about seven things the scripture says about sin. You remember? Okay, let's go through them quickly. It's okay, it's an open book exam. Um, Bams, I know you've taken those very well. So you tell me, what's number one? All right, shout it out, shout it out. It's enticing, okay. Number two? Contagious, yes, that's right. Number three? It is destructive, that's right. Number four? It is deceptive, the deceitfulness of sin. Number five? Sorry, I didn't get that. It is progressive. Yeah, it starts small, but it never ends where it starts. Somebody once said, sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you a lot more than you want, you're ready to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Okay, it's progressive. Yeah? Aha. Uh-huh. Enslaving. It's sli- sin is enslaving. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. It is enslaving. You're still going to see some of it today also. Yeah? And number seven? It can be overcome, and that's what we're doing today. It can be overcome. All right, that's good. So I want you to beware of this. Write this down, please. Don't assume that because the solution, because a problem is complicated, that the solution also has to be complicated. Just because the problem is complicated does not mean the solution has to be complicated. Okay? You can go to the doctor and tell the doctor, oh, I feel this pain. It moves from my back of my head all the way to the back of my spine. I feel this. I feel that. And you complain. You tell the doctor all my lots of things. And you think, and at the end of the whole day, they give you only one tablet. Just one tablet. Just one small little tablet. I remember the case of a guy that was almost dying, a young man. He was almost dying in the U.S. He had a very serious situation. And there was this medication, one tablet, and I'm not exaggerating this, the fact, one tablet was half a million dollars. One tablet, half a million dollars. One small little tablet, half a million dollars. It had to take a, a very senior person in the hospital system in the U.S. to sign it off. He signed off on it, and of course, God, of course with prayer, was able to bring that young man back from the gates of death. Okay? But the point I'm making here is that the problem might be complicated. The solution might be simple. So don't discount the solution because it looks so simple. All right. Remember David and Goliath. As big as Goliath was, it took only one simple stone. Complicated problem, Goliath. Solution, simple. One stone. All right. Also beware. Don't dismiss the simplicity. Naaman and Elisha. Naaman had leprosy and Elisha told him, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash seven times. He was upset because he said, I thought the man was going to come and do some other complicated stuff. No. What this, it is true that the cycle of sin, the habit of sin, can be very, very demoralizing. But the solution can be, look so simple. Please understand that the technologies you enjoy today the phones you have in your hands, the iPads you have in your hands, 99.99% of us don't know how these things work. And we couldn't really care less. Okay. We just open our phone, put in our passwords, right? And make a phone call. Is that right? Abby, do you know how this thing works? <laughs> we, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know how it works. I don't know the technology. I don't know what happens. When I'm, making, I'm speaking here, I'm speaking to somebody far away in Nigeria. 
it's amazing. So I'm not interested. I just want to use it. All right? So then, also, usually, and this is a very important warning, when people want to deal with stuff in Christianity, you know, they want to deal with issues in Christianity, the first question that comes to people when they come to church is, can you give me some practical steps? You know, I've done a lot of seminars. I see guys who say, uh, ask questions, and they'll pick up the microphone, and they'll ask questions, and say, Pastor, what practical steps will you give to a young guy that is trying to, they're always looking for practical steps. So please, hear this clearly. You can never solve a spiritual problem with practical steps. If a problem is spiritual, you will never be able to solve it practically. Okay? So, then, sin is spiritual. Okay? Sin is a spiritual problem. It's not a practical problem. So, there is no practical step you're going to take that will break it. That's why sometimes, sometimes, don't get me wrong, Alcoholic Anonymous, you know, it's a good organization. It was started by a Christian. Anger management, 12 weeks of anger management is good. Um, rehabs, great. Okay? These are all good organizations. Uh, and what they're teaching there and what they're doing there is all okay. I'm all for it. Okay? However, the easiest way, it's almost the easiest way. Yeah, and that, that will have long-term sustainability is to first have a scriptural understanding because what they're dealing with is primarily spiritual. All right? Okay. So, Romans 7, verse 22 to 25, it talks about the law of sin bringing me into captivity. So, we see here we have a problem. And Paul then goes on to say, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? So Paul is calling captivity to sin or bondage or a cycle of sin. Paul is calling it the body of death. Can I tell you historically what the body of death means? All right. So in the Roman context, so Paul is writing to the Roman church what they call the body of death. When somebody is condemned as a criminal in those days, in the Roman, during, in the, during the Roman Empire, okay, and they've done something gruesome, what they do is that, like if somebody has committed murder, they take the dead body of the victim, tie it to the perpetrator of the crime. That's what they call the body of death. So that as the body of the victim is decaying, that decay will also not be affecting the living person. It's only a matter of time before the living person that committed the crime becomes like the dead person that he killed. So that's what is called the body of death. So Paul is using that picture here to tell the church that that's the way the cycle of sin is. Something has a tide around you that is only a matter of time. It will eat into you. Do you follow what I'm saying now? So Paul said, who is going to deliver me from this? He said, oh, wretched man, who is going to deliver me from this? He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay? I have discovered this principle. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's love with all of my heart. And that's where some of us are. 
we love God's law. Oh, I want to be a good Christian. I just want to be a good person. I just want to make sure that my... But you just find out that there's this thing keep on pushing you into the same thing you said you would never do. And Paul said, you know, this power, that's the power of sin, makes me a slave to sin. What a miserable person I am. Who is going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now I want you to look at this next verse. The answer is what? Please speak to me. The answer is what? Okay, so that's New Living Translation, Romans 7.25. In the New Living Translation, Paul the Apostle tells us the answer is what? You're not really speaking to me now. The answer is what? Yeah, whether you believe it or not, the answer is just So the question then is how? So the how of it is what I want to show you. Can I continue? All right, don't form for me. Can I continue? All right. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to put up your hand if you've ever committed any sin. Don't worry, I don't do things like that, okay? That's nasty. And, and more right away, all of us will put up our hands, every one of us, including myself. What I'm telling you is how for all of us, for you to break out of it. Do you understand? Okay. Important questions then. What is sin? Sin is any thought or action that misses the mark of God's standard. Remember, it is God's standard, not the standard set up by man, set up by the government of Canada, set up by any organization. It is the standard of God. Anything, any, any thought or action that misses the mark of God's standard is what the Bible calls sin. When we miss God's standard, we also miss God's presence. When to sin, one of the things that sin does is that it makes us lose a consciousness of the presence of God. Sin makes us lose consciousness of the presence of God. That's very, very true. So what is a cycle? When we talk about cycle of sin, a cycle is a set of repeatable actions that happen in a predictable way. Please write it down, please. Because this will help you as we want to break it. It's a set of repeatable actions that happen in a predictable way. I'm speaking from experience because this one happened to me when I was going to break the sinful habit and the destructive habit called nicotine. I was completely addicted to nicotine. When I wake up in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning as a young adult, the first thing, and I mean first thing that I want to do, craving that I have is nicotine. I just want to take nicotine. You know, there was a time in my life when I was living in London, because this was all as a non-believer, when I used to drink, I used to take alcohol. I, was, I used to take alcohol a lot at that time. I was taking what was called Tenet Super, very strong alcoholic drink. And I used to look for it. You know, I used to look for it everywhere. Uh, as poor as I was, doing some odd jobs, trying to gather money together to do my pharmacy exams, I still had enough money to look for it. Sin is a slaving. <laughs> you know. But looking back now, I can see that it was predictable. It was a repeated set of actions that it was predictable. All right. Why does God want us to break this cycle then? To prevent us from being enslaved to sin and miss the fulfillment of our destiny. Please write some of these things down if you're writing. God wants you and I to break the cycle to prevent you and I, okay, from missing the presence of God and thereby missing our destiny. 
Okay? God doesn't want us to be enslaved to anything. Okay? He doesn't want us to be enslaved to anything. He, f- he came to free us. So he, he wants us to be free to fulfill our destiny. To fulfill our destiny. Okay? Write that down. That's why, you want, that's why God is invested. God is a stakeholder in your success. God wants you to succeed in your Christian work because he wants you to fulfill your destiny. He doesn't want this thing called sin to hold you down and prevent you from fulfilling your destiny. All right. So, cycle of sin. So what is this cycle of sin? Please write this down and I'm going to explain it to you now. These three things I'm going to show you is the cycle of every sin. Somebody say every sin. So whether it's the sin of fornication, the sin of substance abuse, the sin of gossip, the sin of just name whatever it is. This is the cycle. First, there's a desire. Secondly, there's a prompt. And third, there's an action. Desire, prompt, action. Desire, prompt, action. Desire, prompt, action. Every sin anybody ever commits, once you get into a cycle of sin, this is the cycle. There will be a desire, there will be prompt, there will be action. The action will reinforce the desire. Then there will be desire, there will be a prompt action. The action will reinforce the desire. And it goes on and on like that. What I'm doing right now is giving you the anatomy of sin. This is how it happens. So that you can know how to take your scissors and cut it through and break it. Are you following? Now, desire, prompt, and action. The reason why sin is very difficult to deal with practically, you can make New Year resolutions, and some of you probably did. Today is January 30th. You've broken it four or five times. Because I can tell you how many New Year resolutions I made then. I was always excited about the end of the year. Making New Year resolutions, I'm not going to smoke again. I'm not going to do this again. By January no, 3rd or 4th, I'm already back in it. But, you know, the problem is because if sin was just an action, you can deal with it with practical tips only. But because it's not just an action, it's a desire. The desire can be overwhelming. True? Desire can be overwhelming. Your emotions can be so inflamed. Your will is being overridden. You're saying, oh, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to, Lord. I don't want to, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to. And every step you're taking, you're taking it towards it. Come on, can we speak, church? I need some truthful people in this. Uh, these people are not. These people are a bit more honest than the other side. Is it true or not? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Desire. Prompt. Action. That is why scriptural understanding helps you and I to deal with the, the root of the same, which is the desire part, which is the internal part that we do not see. We're going to open this up today a little bit, shall we? Okay, look at it then. The desire. Let's break it down. What do I mean by desire? It's an internal pull towards sin. The internal pull. It's invisible. You can't see it. Something on the inside of you is pulling you towards it. You are a Christian now. You're born again. You don't want to go to night. And I used to go. So I'm not knocking you. Like I said, remember, the goal of this is not to condemn anybody or make you feel bad. If I say something that makes you feel uncomfortable, you feel a sense of conviction, 
please don't feel condemned. The goal is to bring you out, to, you know, to make sure that you are standing in a place where you're free with God. Okay? Do you know how beautiful it is for you to go for two weeks, one month, six months, and never have to ask God, oh God, forgive me? <laughs> Some of you think it's not possible. That you don't have to start your prayer with forgiveness. Because now, every, every of your prayer, when you start, when you know that, oh God, Father, I just want to say forgive me again. <laughs> That's how you start every prayer. That's how you start it. Do you know what it will feel like? Just think about it for a minute. Imagine it. What it will feel like to go for one year without having to do that? Just your prayer time. Just, Father, I want to honor you. Thank you again that I'm alive. I'm awake today. I just love you, Jesus. I want you to know I love you. And you go into your prayer. Not, Lord, I'm sorry again. I know I said this yesterday, but Lord, your messages are new every morning. This is another day. Forget. <laughs> and the Bible says, in those repeated sacrifices for sin is the reminder of sin, which leads to what the Bible calls sin consciousness. So you are more conscious of sin than you are conscious of God. And in that way, your faith is nullified. And without faith, you can't please God. So you say, I'm believing God for something. You can't. Because you wonder why. You can't. Why, why is it that? Some people just say they take the Bible and they just believe. How am I not believing? Because you keep on doing the same repeated sacrifices for sin. And the more you do that, the more you have what is called sin consciousness. And your faith is nullified. Are you hearing me? That's why it's important. This message is important. So desire, the internal desire towards sin, it starts usually with a suggestive thought. Look at that again. Look at that lady. Isn't she a wonderful creation of God? Can we talk? I like to talk to you in the normal language. Can we speak? Yeah. Remember, I'm not Reverend Wale Akinshiko. I'm PWA. <laughs> you get it? Guys, come on, guys. Any guys in the house today? Okay, these guys, they don't want me to say something. You know, it starts with a suggestion in the mind of a guy. For example, let's talk about sex. Starts with a suggestion in the mind of a guy. The next thing that happens to the guy, the guy undresses the girl in their imagination. The girl is still clothed, but the girl is naked. Inside the head of the man, the girl is already naked. Can we talk? You don't, you don't like the direction this message is going? Well, that's the direction it's going to go. <laughs> Sorry, too late. Undresses, so it's a, it starts with a thought. It starts with a suggestive thought. And then what happens next? That little thought now inflames the emotions. The emotions are now inflamed. At this point, you know, it's still all in the realm of temptation. Your emotions are now inflamed now. You know, that's why some guys will say, oh, you take my breath away. <laughs> that's why, you know, <laughs> you've just taken my breath away. All right? It's inflamed the emotions. And then this is when it gets bad. It overpowers your will. At that point, you can't say no. It's not that you don't want to say no, but your will is no longer strong, no matter how determined you are. Why? Because 
The internal pull is not very strong. Your soul is made of your emotions, your will, and your mind. Three, three basic categories. I mean, components, rather. Your emotions, your will, and your mind. So once your emotions are inflamed, your will is overpowered, two out of three, your soul is already cooperating with the same. You are going to go to the next stage. You're going to be waiting for a prompt. And after that prompt, you're going to take an action. So your will is now overpowered. This is what happens with pornography. Your will is now overpowered. You now take your phone. No, I don't want... You know, <laughs> practical tips against pornography. Set up filters on your phone. Make sure that this and this happens on your phone, that if you go to a bad website, if you send an email to somebody, all of those things are good. But you're the one that put it. You're the one that you can remove it too. Come on, guys. Can I speak? Can we speak practically? Oh, yeah, you put it there. But once your emotions are overpowered, or, I mean inflamed, your will is overpowered, take your phone. You go back to settings. <laughs> or you open a new window, incognito. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you start looking at it again. You start looking at it again. The next thing you don't even know you've opened your mouth. Salva is dropping. <laughs> your wheels are completely overpowered. And the next thing is that you're not going to be waiting for a prompt. You're waiting for a prompt. That prompt is an external cue that now makes you tells you that it's ready, you're ready for an action. You're waiting for a prompt. This is what used to happen to me. I wake up in the morning. I'm telling you 5 a.m. in the morning. I already feel like smoking. Already. What is my cue? My lighter. And the lighter is a very good lighter that somebody gave me as a gift. Very wonderful. I, my lighter, once I just wake up and I see my lighter, that's my cue. That means go. I'm going. I'm going to smoke. The external cue serves as a signal. As a signal. It could be a person. The external cue could be a person, a place, or a thing. If you are somebody that you are, you know, you are just locked up in gossip, you can't do without talking about somebody else. The external cue for you can be a friend. Even the morality can be a friend. Nightclub, okay, can be a friend. It can be a friend. That just, just was, Father, forgive me this last weekend. I know a child of God should not be doing what I did last weekend. I went to that nightclub. I wasn't dancing. I was grinding. I was doing all this nonsense. Can we talk? We've got to be honest. We're having a family meeting, right? Huh? So, I don't want to, I don't want to, oh God, have mercy, 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 oh God. All right, fine. Then, another cue comes the following week. The lady comes to you, hey, what are you doing for the weekend? Uh, I'm busy. I'll call you back. You put it on the phone. Six hours later, the person calls again. Hi, babe. You didn't tell me. You, didn't, you said you were going to come back. You didn't call me back. What are you doing for the weekend? You know, do you know that so and so and so and so is happening? It's going to be hot tonight. So and so and so. Here you are. You're not doing anything for the weekend. Doing nothing for the weekend. <laughs> you're just hoping, like, oh God, 
Oh God, if you don't want me to go, let somebody from the church call me. <laughs> ah, oh God, have mercy, have mercy. God will have mercy on all of us. Now you know what we do. Then you wait and wait and wait, and nobody calls you. Oh God, 8 p.m. Ah, oh God. And your friend had told you they're going to be around for 9 p.m. Night comes, the best thing of ah, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's trying to go to bed to see if you can sleep early, quickly, so you can come to church on Sunday. Then your bell rings or your phone rings, 9.15. Sorry, babe, I was just running a bit late. There was a bit of traffic. It's 9.15 now. Are you still ready? Let's go. Then you, <laughs> you go, as you're going in the car, what's wrong with you? You're quiet. <laughs> come on, guys. The reason why you're quiet is that it's like a sheep being led to the slaughter. You know you ought not to go there, but you don't have the power to stop it. So here you are now. You have to go. Then you go to the nightclub. Music is going on. You're just hanging out there. You don't want to really do any stuff. You want to be able to go back home and say, I tried. I was there, but I did not do anything. Just feeling cool with yourself. Just there. Then they bring in one of your tracks. You're tapping your feet, woman. You're tapping your feet. You're tapping your feet. The thing is flowing. It's flowing. All of a sudden, the anointing comes on you. <laughs> my God, that's my track, man. Then you hit the place. You teach them how to do it. You know what I'm saying? Because whatever your hands finds to do, you do with all of your might. <laughs> you know, you know. So, and then you come back again, the same thing. The prompt is usually within your reach. It could be a friend. It could be a place. It could be a thing. And the amazing thing is that it is what? It is predictable. The prompt is always predictable. Always predictable. Ah, I had a friend. Kai. This friend of mine. You know, I've been searching for him now to be able to minister the gospel to him. He's a Muslim guy. His name was, we used to call him T-Smile. T-Smile. He was four years older than me. T-Smile. I've searched for him to take the gospel to him. A Muslim guy. This guy. Growing up in the streets of Lagos, in a place called Srulere in Lagos, Nigeria. This guy was, when you say somebody is an embodiment of a prompt. <laughs> it was a mobile prompt. Everything your mother said, don't do. <laughs> he will prompt you to do it. You know, he will prompt you to do it. I remember, can I level with you guys? The first time in my life, I danced with a lady on a dance floor. I was 14 years old. It was this T smile. It was somebody that was in a bed, but my, my, sorry, one of our friends, his dad was in a house, in a built-in house, so they were doing house opening, and we were going there. My, my, my mom told him, being four years older, my mom told him, please look after, he was 18, but I was 14, my mom said, look after, he said, oh, no, 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 no problem. And I got there. So he said, come on, dance. I was a 14-year-old, but I was thinking, what, what? So he was dancing with the lady. The next thing, he just told the lady, I'm coming. He just came to where I was. He picked me, pulled me, put me in front of the lady, and said, as you dance. 
and he went to sit down. Talk about initiation. <laughs> Prompt. You know, you know, that's why God, I believe God took me out of Nigeria to go get born again in London. For me, God just decided that uh, you can't do it yourself. I'm going to help you. So he took me out, and in one swoop, he took all those friends away, and I lost contact. He now took me, I got born again, he watched me, strengthened me. The first time I saw any one of them was in 2005, 10 years after I got born again. That's when I saw the first one. Even at that time, when they said they were going to call this man, I said, eh, eh. Because I don't know what he's now up to. <laughs> because <laughs> as I have grown in Christ, I'm sure he has grown too. In the vices he has developed. Predictable. Then you have the action. The action is an external action that concludes the cycle and begins another one. It, is, it brings temporary pleasure. All right? It reinforces the cycle and creates a stronger desire, like I've explained. And it opens the door. This is what is very bad about sin. To a sense of hopelessness. You feel hopeless. You feel there's no way out. Satan begins to tell you, you'll never come out of this. You can't do without this boyfriend. You can't do without this girlfriend. That's it. You're hooked forever. That's the end. You have to understand those thoughts that are coming to your mind, they, is the enemy planting them into your mind. All right? Are you learning something today? Okay. All right. Okay, then. Let's start and see how we can work on the solution. So how do I break it? Let's talk about the solution. We've done the anatomy. That anatomy is good, particularly for what we're going to do next week. So review your notes before you come next week about that. All right? So how do we break it? Three important things. Spiritual. Mental. Physical. So sin has, sin has three components of the cycle. What's the first component of the cycle? Desire. What's the second component? Prompt. And the third component? Action. Desire, prompt, action. Desire, prompt, action. Desire, prompt, action. In order to break it, you have to also have a three-pronged strategy to break the cycle and live above it. The three-pronged strategy is spiritual component is there, a mental component is there, and a practical component is there. You can't deal with it practically only. Okay? All right, so let's take a quick stab at this. Spiritual. This is what I really want to talk about today, the spiritual part. And this is what I want you to, because this is the part that is the simplest in communication, uh, in the sense that it's there, it is the one that people despise the most, but it is the most important part. Are you following? People say, oh, I did that sometimes ago, don't worry about that. But it is the most important part, because without this one, whatever you are going to, we're going to talk about next week, which is the mental part and the physical tips, it's not going to work. This is what makes it work. This is the foundation on which every other thing rests. Amen? Amen. 
So let's look at the spiritual, shall we? You have to understand the fact of your redemption in Christ. You have to understand that you have been set free from the root cause of sin. What is the root cause? Rejection, failure, feeling unloved, loneliness, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so forth. Low self-esteem, and so on, and so forth. Somebody that the father never said, I love you. Mother never said, I love you. Never had anybody say, I love you in their life. Suddenly, you're now 22 years old. You meet a useless guy that is a serial lover. And the guy is the first person that will say to you, I love you. And says it with the whisper of a serpent. Do you know what it means when nobody has ever complimented you that you are beautiful? I want to speak to some honest people on this side. Nobody has ever said you are beautiful. Everybody that sees you, ignores you, walks past you, compliments somebody next to you, you know, comes to the lady next to you and says, oh my God, you look so beautiful. I like how you're dressed. I like what you're wearing today. This is so nice. And you're standing there as the lady. You just say, oh, and the person is even trying to, you know, bring you into the conversation and say, oh, meet my friend, Kemi. Hi. You know, you sure, my God, you just look so beautiful. You know, do you, that sense of rejection is a lot. And that, right? Oh, yes, oh, yes. And that happens over and over and over and over again. You start looking, you go, to, you go back home, you have a shower, you look in the mirror. You know, you do your hair, you do your hair, you know. Can we speak practically? You know, you do your makeup, you think to you, what is wrong with me? You call a friend of yours that knows how to do makeup. You say, please, can you, can you change my, you know, my outlook? Someone say, oh, we're going to give you a new look and all of that. You change it, no compliment. Ah, hey, that thing can be wounding. It can hurt. Then suddenly, one day, they're coming out of the elevator. And a serial lover. He sees you, and you go by him. And instead of the guy walking, walking to the elevator, the guy turns around, and you can feel that the guy has turned around, and he's looking at you, and he says, oh, oh, oh. First time you will ever hear a compliment is when you're 23 years old. And the guy says, oh, my, oh, my. And suddenly you feel, wow. So this, the feeling you have never had before, suddenly you have the feeling of being appreciated. Can I speak to somebody here today? And you also, of course, because the person complimented you now. Naturally, every human being gravitates towards what is beneficial and runs away from what is destructive. So the compliment, nobody doesn't want compliment. <laughs> so you two now, you start uh, carrying your leg, <laughs> dragging your leg to the place because you want to hear this thing again. So the person can put it on rewind. So the person says, oh, I just like the way you speak, you know. I just like your accent. Ah, when you get to YouTube, you practice your accent a bit more. Because <laughs> you're liking the compliments. You're liking the compliments. Liking the compliments. You're liking the compliments. I wanted to tell you a personal story here, but I thought, uh, might be a bad idea. You're liking the compliments. When I was in my final year in pharmacy school, we had a student party in a hotel in a place that was about 45 minutes drive from my school. I went to a university called University of Ife in the southwestern part of Nigeria. So this party was in Elisha. 
So we had this party. And the following morning, there was a swimming pool there. So we were swimming. There was a photograph that somebody captured of me. And in those days, I'm, I'm saying this to you, level with you, this true life story. In those days, I used to still have some hair, like my son here. You know, I still had some hair. I always had my pattern on the right-hand side. It was just my own signature. Everybody that knew me when I was in the university knew. My pattern was never on the left-hand side like the British people. It was on the right-hand side. Just a rebellion against the British, <laughs> against British colonialism. Always on the right. So there was this particular picture that while I was just coming out of the water, the picture was taken. The picture looks, made me look so good. I said, made me. You know, pictures can be very funny. <laughs> a friend of mine had a copy of it. After I've left university, somebody saw the picture and kept on asking this friend of mine, where is that guy that is floating? <laughs> True life story. So the friend kept, come, came to Lagos in the holidays, kept asking me that. There was this lady that keep on asking of you, the guy that is floating, that he wants to see you. Compliments. That's the end of the story. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Some of you are no longer interested in the PowerPoint. It is the story you are interested in. May God forgive you, cleanse your mind, <laughs> and renew your thoughts. Focus on the PowerPoint. Then you have to confess the fact of your, of your redemption, which I've prepared for you today. Okay? Now, so let's, let's, take, let's look at these spiritual things. Redemption means you are saved. Christ has paid the price for you. So if you are born again, you have been redeemed. To be redeemed means you have been bought back. Okay? You have been saved from sin. Alright, so what is the difference between the fact and the promise? I, I spoke about that in the first service. I don't want to belabor this. But I need to let you know looking at the time, I need to let you know quickly that a fact is something that has already happened. It's not going to happen. It's not something God is going to do because God is not going to do it because God has done it. Good. Very smart. God is not going to do it because God has done it. Okay. That's the fact of redemption. Alright. So facts of redemption. Follow this quickly, please. Redemption has provided you these two things. Pardon from the penalty of your sin and freedom from the power of the sin. Notice the word provided, past tense, past tense. This is not what God will do. This is what God has. So another way of saying is that God will not do it because God has. So the prayer people pray when they fall into sin, Christians pray Oh God, deliver me from this. Oh God, deliver me from this. That prayer will not be answered for a New Testament Christian because God will not deliver you from it because he has delivered you from it. Does it make sense to you? Okay. All right. Okay. So let's, let me prove this to you from scriptures then. All right. So let's start with pardon from the penalty of sin. Because why this is important is because people fall into sin and they say, I'm already in it. You know, I'm already there. What was the purpose? The big deal. I'm just going to continue. No, should not continue. God has, you know, 
made provisions to pardon you. So don't continue and be enslaved and destroy yourselves. All right, so freedom, pardon from the penalty of sin. Let's look at this then. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 to 10. God has demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ did what? Died for us, past tense. Okay? Much more, having now been justified by his blood, that means when you got born again, we shall be saved from the rot. Rot is the anger of God that he wants to unleash on people that are sinning. He said, but now that we've been saved, we're going to be saved by his blood from the rot through him. Okay? For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. All right. In whom you have redemption through his blood, and what's the next statement? Forgiveness. Come on now, guys. All right. Remember, just because the problem is complicated does not mean the solution has to be complicated. Okay? Don't let Satan teach you because some of you now in your mind, the enemy is telling you it's not going to be that easy. Trust me, it is that easy. Many people have been delivered. Many. Based on this teaching. All right. Look at this now. New Living Translation, Romans chapter 3, verse 24. New Living Translation, Romans 3, 24. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from what? The penalty of our sins. Somebody say, he freed me. Come on, say it. He freed me from the penalty of my sins. Can we take it one more time? He freed me from the penalty of my sins. So you are freed from the penalty of your sins. So don't continue in it. Now, then, freedom from the power of sin. So this controlling power, this desire that I have in me, this overwhelming force that I can't do anything about. What should I do? Look at this now. He has delivered us, past tense, from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son in whom we have redemption through his blood. So I'm delivered from the power of darkness. Can you say that with me, please? I'm delivered from the power of darkness. Please say it again. I'm delivered from the power of darkness. Please say it one more time. I'm delivered. This is important. I'm already teaching you something that is very powerful here. To are you activating? Because all of the fact of your redemption is activated. Part of the ways is activated is through your confession. The fact of your redemption, part of how it is activated is through your confession. The fact of your redemption, one of the ways it's activated is through your confession, particularly continuous confession. One more time, say with me. He has delivered me from the power of darkness. All right. Let's look at Romans 6, verse 1 to 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Say with me, I'm dead to sin. Oh, say it again. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. Paul says, we know, New Living Translation, that our old sinful selves was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose, lose his what? 
power over our lives. Now, quick question, and I'm not challenging your intelligence. I know you're all smart, very smart, smarter than me. But crucified, is it past tense or present tense? Yeah, that's a fact. It's already done. So you have to identify with Christ. That's what he's saying. You have been crucified with Christ. What the Bible is saying to you, technically, is that when Christ was nailed to the cross, you were also nailed to the, in, in God's, from God's point of view, you were also crucified. You were also nailed to the cross. Your sinful nature was also nailed to that cross. When Christ rose from the dead, you also were raised together with him in the newness of life. This is what the Bible teaches. Are you understanding now? This is a fact. Now, what do you do with the fact? Either you believe it or you don't believe it. Okay? My daughter, Abby here, is wearing a red dress. Somebody might say, I don't think this is not red. My teacher taught me that this is green. Well, you can decide what you want to believe. That's what it is. You hear what I'm saying? All right. So here we go. For when we died with Christ, the, we were set free from the power of sin. Now, this is the question. Oh, my God. Please, I want to ask a question. It's not a stupid question, but it helps in our meditation. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Please listen to it. When were you set free from the power of sin? Approximately how many years ago did Christ die? 2,000 years ago. When were you set free from sin? According to this scripture, when were you set free from sin? When Christ died? Approximately how many years ago did Christ die? So, when were you set free from sin? So you are not going to be set free from it. You are already set free from it when Christ died. And remember, in order to activate your redemption, confession, 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 confession. I died with Christ, therefore I have been set free from the power of sin. Is that something you can say? Okay, three, two, one, go. Let's say it. I died with Christ, therefore I've been set free from the power of sin. Can we take it one more time? I died with Christ, therefore I've been set free from the power of sin. Friends, you need to know what it, what it looks like to live in the liberty of you not constantly, constantly have to be confessing sin, sin and being sin conscious and your faith is robbed. Your faith is robbed. I mean, you need to get to the point in your Christian work where and you can get to the place right away so you don't allow sin to make your destiny miss you. Okay, let's do this now. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. We are sure of this. We're not guessing. When he died, he died once, Romans 6, verse 10, New Living Translation. When Jesus died, he died once to do what now? To break the power of sin. Christ died for me, and he has broken the power of sin over my life. 
Christ died for me and he has broken the power of sin over my life. Christ died for me and he has broken the power of sin over my life. Can you say that with me? Christ died for me and he has broken the power of sin over my life. Ignite Church, can we say that together? Christ died for me and he has broken the power of sin over my life. That's what I did with the cigarettes. Christ died for me and he has broken the power of nicotine over my life. Christ died for me, he has broken the power of alcohol over my life. Christ died for me, he has broken the power of nicotine over my life. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, these things I preach, talking about nightclubbing. I used to be a nightcrawler. I came out of university from pharmacy school at the age of 21. My job that I got, a company called Smith Klein Beach, which is now called Glasgow Smith Klein. Some of my colleagues that were there, some of them that I even did orientation for, uh, the CEOs and all of that now. Let me say this to you. When I came out at the age of 22, 21, 22, after my um, slave trade um, 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 issue with the Nigerian government, which is called National Youth Service, <laughs> after I did all that, when I got a job, I had an official car, I had a driver, I had what they call float, which is money they give you spent, bring your receipt back. And I had friends, friends that have always been waiting for this day. And I said, this is the day. You know what my friends used to call me? Because the, 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 name, of the, the name of the company, Smith Klein Bichan, was called then, was, you know, was put on the car, on the doors, in the driver's side and the you know, front passenger side of the car. My friends used to call that car Smiling Beecham. Not Smith Klein Beecham, Smiling Beecham. In other words, every time they see me, they're just happy. <laughs> because now we can go, we can go to club, we can do two. I've gone to clubs. I used to go to two, three clubs in one day, one night. There was one time I was coming from, this, the top clubs there were in Lagos at that time, true life story. I was coming, we're coming from officer's mess in the Papa in Lagos. Drove all the way to Ikeja to a nightclub. Got to that nightclub. We were very much in the spirit in that nightclub. And some of us were on one level of anointing, and that person, others were in double portion of anointing. So there were four of us. So we didn't know who was going to drive home. We had to toss a coin. Toss the coin, not to find out whether it's head or tail, but toss the coin in the air, and whoever will be able to catch it is the least, is the one that is sober, is the least drunk. That night was the night I should have died, if not for mercy that said no. On our way home, we found ourselves under a truck. And I just, got, I just got the job. When the job took me to the U.S. for training, to Orlando, Florida, some of my team members, you know, some of our team members, they found an island in Orlando, a place anyway in Orlando. They called that place Pleasure Island. Kai. Pleasure Island. And when we got to the U.S., they gave us U.S. dollars. You know, to spend. Pleasure Island. Zinu, can you imagine? Pleasure Island. The name alone, I already had desire. <laughs> okay, remember, context, context, context. I was not born again. You know, so when I now became born again, there is a lot of residual stuff that is inside 
that needs to be eliminated. Are you following what I'm saying? What I'm saying right now is connecting with some of you because you, you are there. Some residents, you don't know what it means to be a good person. You know, to come out from a normal, nice home and not have all these things. The issues that people have to be dealing with. And I have to be dealing with all these issues. How, part of how I broke it is, is what I'm sharing with you right now. He died to break the power of sin over me. Okay? So you also consider yourself to be dead to that power. It's what your role now is to do what? Come on now. Your role now is to do what? Not to feel it. It doesn't start with feelings. It starts with what? Now, consideration is an issue that starts from your spirit into your mind. It has nothing to do with your emotions. So I said, but Pastor, I don't feel, even as I'm doing the confession, I'm still feeling something. Yes, that's your feelings right now. But what is in your spirit, as you consider it, will be strong enough to override what your emotion is feeling. Can I hear an amen from you? Sin is no longer your master. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Can you say that with me? Sin is no longer my master. Can you say that with me? Sin is no longer my master. One more time, say it with me. Sin is no longer my master. It is no longer your master. It is no longer your master. It is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. Don't say to yourself, what can I do? I feel helpless. No, it's no longer. If it's no longer your master, what is the opposite of it not being your master? It is now your. Yes. It's now your slave. It's no longer your master. I like the sound of that. Can you say that with me again? Sin is no longer mine. All right. So let's look at the root cause of what makes this. I alluded to it at the beginning. Rejection, loneliness, feeling unloved, deprivation, sense of unfairness or injustice. If you come out of a family, and there's some families like that where you never felt loved in the family, the three children, your dad and your mom, or wherever you grew up with, that you, you know, always spoke well of maybe your older sibling or your junior one. Perhaps maybe because, you know, in the early, earlier days, maybe those ones are doing better in school. And you were kind of like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> you're one of those people that will always straddle the middle. You're not bad. Come on now. Anybody wants to be truthful with me? It's not like you're bad, but at the same time, you know, you need the wind of the Holy Spirit to make it. <laughs> so, and here is your junior one, or maybe senior one. They're always, you know, all fired up and all of that. It can build a sense of rejection in you. If you're not very careful. Okay? Loneliness. Feeling unloved. Feeling deprived. Feeling deprived. This is a very big one. Feeling deprived. Feeling deprived. Some of you feel deprived of freedom. You know, your parents told you, do this, do that. Don't do this, do this. Now you are in Canada. You came to school. Now you are free. That's why first semester in the university is the most. Yeah. <laughs> you yourself, you know. Fill in the blank spaces. Now, now I understand why my dad, we're living in Lagos, my university was about two hours drive away from my home. Now I understand why my dad was always coming to see me in my first semester 
every single Saturday. I hated it with passion. I thought, what on earth is this man doing here again? But now I understand. My son is going to university now. I have told him, I'm not coming to see you every week. I'm moving my house then. <laughs> he said, uh, that uh, kind of like, there's accommodation in school. I said, I understand that. You don't worry. I have enough financial resources. I said, the accommodation is me and you. We're going to be living there. <laughs> my wife even says it's better. My wife says, anytime you open your door, the first person you're going to see is me. <laughs> first semester, dangerous. All the parties you could not go to, now you can go. Not all these parties you want to go to when you're in high school, your friend is having a birthday party, your mom, your mom or your dad says, be back home at 9 p.m. Or I'll pick you up at 9 p.m. Now you're in the university. <laughs> Nobody's going to pick you up at 9 p.m. Now, you you feel like I'm an adult. You don't know that freedom means responsibility. You won't say that in the dictionary, but that's another synonym for freedom. It, 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 you won't say in the, in the dictionary that, or in the thesaurus it's called, that synonym for freedom is what? Responsibility. But I'm telling you, in real life, that's what it means. No man is free until they have boundaries. No man is free until there are boundaries. Okay. All right. So what do you do? What do you do to that feeling of sense of low self-esteem? You feel that you don't, you, you don't, you don't have what you don't. You're not really feeling a sense of the appreciation that God loves you. What you do here is to pray. Not pray that God will love you, because that prayer will never be answered, because God already loves you. You're praying that you may have an understanding of how much God loves you. That will help you to know how valuable you are as a person. Friends, you're very, very valuable to God. It will make you understand that you're very, you really? You mean, you mean I'm this valuable? In other words, I'm saying this. The compliments you're looking to man to give you, God personally will be giving you that compliment. That's what the psalmist saw when the psalmist said, what is man that you're mindful of him? Why? Why are you so crazy, Abraham? man, God? What's the big deal, Abraham? man? That you have to disguise yourself and come in the middle of the night to meet him. Risk your life. What is man? You have to come in the, in the form of a man, you almighty God. You have to take up human flesh with the limitations to come and seek a bride. What is man? You're a big deal. Do you know you're a big deal to God? Some of you are struggling to believe that. Do you know you're a big deal to God? It's very important because when we start teaching about vision and how to achieve your vision, this is one of the fundamental things that will help your confidence. You are a big deal to God. God loves you. He's crazy completely about you. He's always writing you love letters. Do you know that? He's always writing you love letters. He's always dropping things. Anyway, God said I should let you know. Since you want to hear it with a human voice, but it's God still speaking to you in a human voice. God loves you. He loves you. Give him praise, Lord. He loves you. So, what we're going to do, you pray. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you, that your roots will grow down in God's love. Not that God's love will grow, but your own roots will grow down, deep in it. You'll get a better position. You will know how high, how deep his love is. 
And I'm praying that prayer for you today, and I'm going to pray for you again here today, that you will get to know how deep and how wide and how high God's love for you is. God loves you seriously. You are a big deal. Can I say something to you? Please listen, and you have to believe this. Please try your best to believe this. If you were the only person that was left on earth, Christ would still have come to die for you. That's how much of a big deal you are to God. If you are the only one left on earth, God will still have come down to die for you. He knows your name and is completely crazy about you. This is not just making you feel better. This is scripture. God knows your name. Somebody say, God knows my name. Oh, say it again. God knows my name. Yeah. And loves you completely. For me, somebody like me, it's easy for me because my biological father was a man that demonstrated sacrificial love. So, it's easy for me to extrapolate and say, well, if my biological father can do this for me, I wonder what, how much more God can do for me. So, but I appreciate the fact that for some people, you know, their biological father was just the antithesis of love. How we talk now? Respectfully, the man is just a joker. Can I talk seriously? The man is just a joker. The man doesn't even have to spell love. He doesn't love his wife. He doesn't love his children. Is, is the epitome, uh, you know, it's it, it just a personification of selfishness. Everything has to be filtered through his own selfishness and self-centeredness. Such people can make the Christian life difficult for you as children when you not give your life to Christ. Because when you say, he's a good, good father, he's who you are, you're thinking, father, the one I have at home, nah, nah, that one is not good. That one I have at home is not good at all. So it can make it very difficult for you. But please understand, God is a good father. I said God is a good father. He loves you and you are a big deal to God. In God's plan, he has, he has a major part he wants you to play. And his garden is jealously, he doesn't want to give it to anybody. It's you. He's waiting for you. Say amen. Say amen to that. That's very true. He's waiting for you. You know, you know, Thompson and I came into this country. We wanted to come in 1997. It didn't happen that way. We came in 1999, November. Came in, landed in Canada as skilled immigrants. 1999, November. By the circumstances arranged by God, by 14th of April 2000, I was already pastoring this church. Okay, it didn't look like this then. But God put it all together for us. 14th of April Year 2000, I started pastoring the church. Two weeks later, the person that was Topsy's pastor in university, two weeks later, started a church in Toronto and called Topsy and said, I heard you're in country. I wanted you to come and help out in the church. And Topsy said, oh, thank you so much for the opportunity, but my husband and I have just taken up a responsibility to pastor a church just two weeks ago. God loves me so much, and I'm a big deal to God. He kept it for me. So how can you say you're a big deal to God? Because the sacrifice he offered for me is a big deal. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, all right. If you're still struggling to believe me, it's not on my slide, but put it on the screen there. Isaiah 43. How you doing? Good, good. Hold on. Amy. All right, put it there. Isaiah 43, let's start from verse 1. But now, oh... Wale Akinshiku, put your name there. Listen to the Lord who created you. Keep going. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, I've ransomed you. I called you by what? Yeah, I called you Abby, your name. 
No, 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 don't rush. It's a love letter. Why are you rushing? People don't read love, love, love letters and rush. You read it, oh, oh my God. Oh. Put a bit on your chest, you take it again, you read it again. You read the same sentence three times. When you want to go to bed, you read it again, you're smiling and you sleep off. Come on now. I called you by name, semicolon. You're mine. You know? You can keep going. Then he said, when you go to the deep waters, I'm there with you. When you go to the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Keep going. I'm the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Then look at it. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. Mighty nations. I gave Ethiopia and Sheba in your place. God is saying, I overlooked many more skillful and talented people, but I came for you. Now, look at what he said now. Keep going now. This is where I'm going. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for you. That accident I was supposed to have when my car got under a truck. In 1992, God is saying, I traded other people for you. Now, look at it now. Because you're what? Because you're what? You're honored and I love you. Stop there. Just keep it there. That's the place where I got the revelation that I'm a big deal to God. When somebody says you're precious to them, what does it mean? You're a big deal. You know, when you have something that is a treasure, you even insure it. Is that not true? That's why God had to insure you also because you're precious. He insured you with the blood of Jesus. So that... If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, it's just and faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The insurance will pay for it. Somebody say, I'm precious to God. Now that you've seen it in Scripture, can you say it now? I'm precious to God. Oh, say it again. I'm precious to God. You know, this is what we normally do in Ignite Church. Is it okay if you say with some, a bit of an attitude? I want you to show some personality. Don't be bland, please. Don't be vanilla. Show some personality. What's your favorite ice cream? Don't tell me vanilla. I'm just throwing you out of this church. <laughs> Coffee. Okay, that's good. You don't take ice cream? Okay, I say you don't take ice cream. Do you take ice cream? Huh? What ice cream did you take? What was your favorite color? F- favorite f- flavor? I'm preaching on, I'm preaching on forgiveness. So, I forgive you. Don't try me, please. Okay. Did you take ice cream? What, what, please, what's your f- flavor? Strawberry. Okay. I'm looking for, that's good. That's good. I'm looking for somebody who will give me some combination too. Anybody have combination? So what do you take? What do you guys take? Oh, ladies. Aha. Uh-huh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I made a mistake. I was going to... It's true, it's true. I was going to the guys. I mean, it was a big mistake. It was a big mistake. It was a big mistake. It's true. It's true. What do they know? Please. L- lady, any lady can be bold enough to tell me. Aha, uh-huh, please. Aha, uh-huh. I'm listening to you. Huh? 
cookies and cream. Now we're talking. That's personality. You see, that's personality. Put some personality in what you're saying. Have a covenant attitude. I'm precious to God. Say it with some attitude. Let people around you know that, man, you really believe what you're saying. Even if they don't know scripture, let them see it in your attitude. Can you try it? And show me your personality. Can you try it? Can you try it and show me some personality? Can you put some ump in this thing? Come on, show me some personality. Can you do that? Come on, somebody. All right, let's try it then. I want to see some personality. I want to see the real you come out. All right? In three, two, one, go. Come on, let me see you. That's why I love that. Come on, give him a shout of praise. That's right. I love that. Say it with an attitude. Say it over and over and over and over and over. It will sink into you. You, you know what it will do to you? Your esteem will be very high. What has built up my confidence tremendously? You know, you know in two, I met Topsy in London in 1995. 25th of March, 1995, I met her. That's when I met her. I saw her for the first time in my life. We got married in London. 2002 was the first time we both went back to Nigeria. Came. Now, listen to this. But went to Nigeria, we had to do some um, stuff in, in our family, you know, for one of our brothers. Uh, the last one was getting married in 2002. So we went down to Nigeria from Canada here. 2005, we went back to Nigeria again. So now I had time to show her where I came out of, where I grew up. Are you following now? I had to take her down. So I took her down to the place where I grew up. You know, my son was very young then, so we took him to, he didn't say anything. I took, him, took her to the streets, the house I grew up, my mom's Walmart. <laughs> you know, my mom's Walmart. Do you, you understand what I mean? Yeah, my mom's little color store. I showed her, this is the house, this is the place it used to be, and all of that. So I showed her, so she saw the whole area. When we're going back in the, car, in the car, she told me, she said, the respect I have for you just went to extraordinary levels. She said, it takes an extraordinary person to have the level of confidence you have, okay, having grown up on this street, in this environment. Listen, you know, you have to understand something. And what has done it for me, okay, two things. The word of God and the affirmation of my biological father. And which is, I know what some of us here don't have. My biological father never said anything pleasant. Never said they're proud of you. Some of you are, particularly if you're a man, some of you are struggling with that. Because a man needs affirmation. Even Jesus Christ, when he came here on earth, he needed affirmation. He's God have, the father had to tell him, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus needed to hear that. So Jesus said in John 8, 29, he said, uh, the father is always with me because I do the things that please him. Why, where did, why did he say that? John 8, 29. I always do what pleases him. Why did he say that? Because the father said it already. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need affirmation of a fatherly figure. That's why if your biological father has not given it to you, that's why Ignite Church is very important. You can find a fatherly father figure here that can give it to you and tell you that I'm pleased with you. You are okay. As a person, you're okay. I'm proud of you. All right. I called you after you gave us that Christmas rendition in 2021, 2020, 2020. 
Okay. I told Anne to call you, right? And we spoke to you, right? You need things like that as a person to know that there are people that value what God has given you. Okay? Now, you, so you need to know that. All right, let's, let me wrap up today. So confessing the facts of your redemption. What I've done is that I've, dis, I've put together, a conf, based on the scriptures I've shown you today, a confession. If you have the House of Praise app, go to it now, open it up. If you have the House of Praise app, Open it up. If you don't have the Ask Praise app, please download it. The handle is H-O-Praise. H-O-Praise, you can, um, except you have um, Blackberry, but if you have any of that, you should be able to have, download it. You will see Ignite Confessions. Did you say it? Come on, can you say it? Okay, so you can click here to download. So the confession is there. It's there. What I want you to do, I've taken all the scriptures and created this confession. Please don't waste it. <laughs> what I want you to do is this, and I want you to commit yourself to do it, as many as are ready, and I'm going to pray for you for grace. This is what I want you to do. I know I'm a pharmacist, right? So I'm going to give you the prescription. You are going to take this three times a day, minimum. How many times a day? Yeah, minimum. It has no upper limit. There's no overdose. Okay. But minimum is what? It's, it's short. It's not, that's why it's not very, very long. What you're going to do is that when you wake up, maybe in the morning, whatever, you do what I do, you take it, you speak it. Someone say, well, do I have to praise and worship, pray, do warfare before I do? No. You're speaking, just like we were speaking confession here. We're going to do it once here, actually. Is that all right? Um... Um, guys at Technical Booth, please, can you put it together? You're going to put it on the screen so all of us can read it together on the screen. Okay? Um, this confession. Um, you know, you're going to do it morning, afternoon, evening. Morning, afternoon, evening. Why? Somebody said, well, <clears throat> but, but Pastor, why, why, why do I have to do minimum three times a day? That nature of the six verse ten. You know, that nature of the six verse ten. Put it on the screen. Daniel six verse ten. If you have it, put it on the screen quickly, please. Daniel went, when the writing was done, he went home, and in his upper room, go, go up, keep going. His windows opened towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees. What? Ah, so you want to come out of the lion's den? At least three times a day. It's in the scripture. At least three times a day. At least three times a day. Okay? You don't have to do all the complex work. It has been done for you by the Spirit of God. Okay? So you are going to declare it, say it. Morning, I want you to do it every day, starting from we're well, starting then not today. You can continue when you get home, and every day of the week before you come on Sunday. Can you commit yourself to that? Can you commit yourself to that? Come on, people, please. Can you commit yourself to that? All right. Please don't make me call the Ignite Church leadership and call in sick for Sunday and say these people are not taking me seriously. I'm sorry. I'm. Uh, <coughs> I can't come today. Please let somebody else do the preaching. Please encourage me. Can you commit yourself to that? Yes, You're going to confess this. You're going to confess it. You're going to confess it. You're going to declare it. That's your only assignment for this week. Confess it. If you want to come out of it, this is it. This is the spiritual part. When you come next week, I will tell you about what we have to do physically 
took care of it. Because the reason is because there are some extraordinary circumstances where the habit of sin has now become the bondage of sin. In other words, doors have now been opened to demonic forces, particularly when you're dealing with things like pornography and all of that, sexual sins and many things like that, you know, that's been done over a period of time. Demonic forces have, been, have now come in, have been attracted. They have now made what was a natural habit a spiritual bondage. In such situations, the Bible says, when the strong man is guarding his goods, his goods are at peace. He holds the person down until he's stronger than he. So somebody that has a, a robust understanding of Scripture cannot come with it with an anointing and break that power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Which is what I'm going to do next week Sunday when I lay hands on people that want to be truthful. Not on everybody generally. If you want me to lay hands on you, you feel that, you know what, pastor, not in any specific category because we don't want to embarrass anybody. You're just pastor, I think I'm in a situation, I'm in a place where I need hands to be laid on me. Then you're going to step out next Sunday and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lay hands on you. Is that all right, church? And if you're a guy, as for a guy, okay, if you come next to Sunday, as a minister for some of you, if the Holy Spirit leads me in that particular direction, as it for guys, I'll give you a good hug and speak words of affirmation into your life that will continue to take you in upward trajectory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Okay. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to... Uh, Take the confession together. I'm sure the technical team have it ready for us. We're going to take it together powerfully. Is that all right? Okay. So just before we do that, you can still be seated. It's okay. I want to start. We've been talking about redemption, redemption, redemption. I want to start this piece of it now as a minister quickly. With the fact that redemption is all about you experiencing the new birth. Maybe a friend of yours invited you here. Maybe you came here on your own. Maybe you've been coming. But you have never actually experienced the new birth. It's not about coming to a church or joining a church. That's not what new birth is about. New birth is about acknowledging that you are living in a sinful state. You have the nature of sin. All right? That you don't have Christ in your life. That's what it means. And that you believe that Christ came here, died, and after three days he rose from the dead. But his death was a sacrifice for your sins. That's what the new birth is. And when you believe that and you accept him into your life, the consequences of your sinful actions are transferred to Jesus Christ and the benefits of his obedience are transferred to you. That is what is called redemption. That's why it's called the good news. If you're here, you have never decided to do that. Or you're watching online... Or you did that sometimes ago, you want to rededicate your life, you want to get serious with God now. I want to take the, up the privilege and the honor to pray for you. So if you're here, I just want to, this is part of it. There's nothing disgraceful about it. This is a very, very, very important part. Wise people have taken this action, which I was privileged to take on the 8th of June, 1995. It's when I also stood up myself. If you're here in this hall right now, wherever you are, can you stand on your feet? I want to pray for you. It's a prayer of one minute. You want to rededicate your life or you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. Wherever you are, just stand on your feet. It's okay. And I'm going to pray for you quickly. 
I'm going to pray for you. God bless 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 you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, church, for celebrating them because they're making it. Thank you for celebrating them. Thank you. They're wise people. They're making the right decisions. For all, please, can you do me a favor? Like I said, please understand, this is completely, this is, you can see how people are rejoicing with you because it's a good thing you're doing. You're, you're being decisive. The people that move forward in life are people that are decisive. Maybe there's still one or two people there that are still out there just thinking, should I be part of this? Should I not be part of this? One of the things about Christianity is that you make a public confession of your faith. If you don't mind, can you please stay with me here? I want to say the simple prayer with you right here. Just come. It's okay. Just come. Just come the way you are. Come, come, just come. Come, come stand with me here. Come. Come. Come here. Just stand with me. Bless you. Yeah. It's okay. All right, because I'm not wearing a mask. I have to stay six feet away from you. But it's okay. I trust you. I'm so fumigated, fascinated, and fully boosted by the scriptures. Hallelujah. <laughs> all right, just say this simple prayer after me, please. Meaning with all of your heart. Can you please one of your hands on your heart, please? Please say after me. Lord Jesus, I've come to you today. I believe you died for me. On the third day, you rose from the dead. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus, take away my sin. Give me the grace to live my life in a way that is pleasing to you. Amen. All right, let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, your word says those that come to you, you will not cast them out. Precious souls, O God of heaven, have come to you today. Father, please accept them into your family in the name of Jesus. Establish them in your kingdom and the original plan you have for their lives. Father, let it be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, just before you go to the seat, one second. Uh, there's a QR code that, um, sh that you can you see. I, I think you can access it. It's out there. You can, it's on the screen there. You can pick it up. Just, you know, go on the QR code. And for those that are also online, what it's going to do is it's going to give you a link, pop up a form. Please fill in the form. Not for any reason that it's, you know, untoward, but just to send some materials to you during the week, completely free of charge, no further obligation, okay? Fill it in, and God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Come on, church. Let's appreciate what Jesus is doing again. Okay. Do we have the confession? Do we have the confession? All right, put it on. Put it on. Church, is it okay? Can we stand to our feet, please? You're this man that said you like vanilla ice cream. I'm going to bring ice cream, three, four combinations of ice cream for you. You will, you will eat ice cream next week. <laughs> and it's not be vanilla. I'm going to get them to buy buckets and buckets of different ice cream for you. You will sit in the office area there. I'm going to beat that vanilla out of you. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Father, we thank you. Lord, we honor you. In Jesus' name. 
All right, if it, are you going to be controlling it? All right. All right, put it, go back on the screen. Put, all right, please say with me. I believe and I confess. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. According to the word of God, my sins have been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. I am free. No, go back to that. Go back to the first part, please. I am free from the penalty of sin through Jesus Christ. I'm delivered from the power of darkness. I now belong to the kingdom of God. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, I refuse to continue in sin because I'm dead to sin. I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I'm no longer a slave to sin. The power of sin over my life has been broken. Therefore, I'm free. According to, the, according to God's word, sin is no longer my master because I live under God's grace. I believe and I declare God loves me. God loves me unconditionally. And I love God passionately. I'm free from the cycle of sin in Jesus' name. Give him a shout of praise if you receive that.